Today is the last day of 2023, and it's the day we also stand on the threshold of 2024. It's one of those years where the last Sunday of the year is literally the last day of the year. So it has that, I think, extra specialness about it. Psalm 20 is a great psalm to conclude a year and look forward to a year with. It's a great psalm because it prays for future blessing. That's what it's all about. But like every psalm, like every part of the Old Testament particularly, uh, we need to read it in a particular way. We need to read psalms, every psalm, with a view to what did it mean to the people who first wrote it. In the context, how did they use psalm in their worship? Uh, Because the psalms were used like we have songs. Psalms were used in the temple for worship. Uh, for the people to join together and to sing and to worship God. So we've got to think about that as we come to Psalms. As every part, particularly the Old Testament, we need to consider it how it applies to us through Jesus. As Jesus said, every part of the Old Testament speaks to him or the Old Testament looks to him or he fulfills the Old Testament scriptures. So we need to consider how to apply it through Jesus because it's not first of all written to us it's first of all written to the people who first wrote it and sang it it's written with a view to be interpreted through Jesus and it's also there for our encouragement as well so we need to stick to sort of an order and a pattern as we understand Old Testament particularly a psalm otherwise we could you know get it wrong And it it sort of frames the way we do it. As we look forward to 2024 with 2023 in mind, one of the things that I think came out to me as I reflected was how many unexpected challenges come in a year, don't they? We look at the year and we think, well, well, There'll be a lot of good things, but so many things come along that we just didn't expect. Did you know that in 2023, there was a terrible earthquake in Turkey and Syria that killed 59,000 people? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of devastation, a lot of misery, a lot of terrible suffering. Finland joined NATO, which seems to be a continuing thing that more nations in Europe on the border of Russia are looking towards joining NATO, which could be very, very important in the future years. India landed on the moon. (laughs) A referendum was held. I'm sure that didn't pass our our (laughs) from our minds. A referendum was held for Aboriginal recognition in the Constitution, which was defeated. Hamas attacked Israel and Israel declared war on Hamas and we're still seeing how that's going to play out. Many people died and notable celebrities included Lisa Marie Presley, Tina Turner and Matthew Perry from the Friends episodes. What will 2024 hold for the world, for us personally and for our church? In this church, I know you said goodbye to a pastor and his family and you said hello to another one. 
Unexpected, I believe. And yet we need to be prepared for unexpected things. We as humans are very limited in what we know about the future. But the Lord does know and we can trust in him at all times. We are dependent on God and his will. This psalm gives us some clear guidance in how we can approach a new year as the people of God. But for now, I just thought we could pause a minute and have some open time of thanking God for some things in 2023. So what I'd like you to do is think about that. Put up your hand and say, I'd like to thank God for such and such. And then at the end of that, I will pray for those things. So what would you like to... I would like to thank God that he brought us here to Wingham. As you know, I retired from army chaplaincy and that actually I wasn't officially out of the army until February uh, 2023. So that was all I had been thinking about and then the Lord directed us back into pastoral ministry and I thank God for that. Very happy with that. What would you like to thank God for? Yes. That you and Sharon came here. Okay. Yeah. Indeed. You can thank God for that. I can thank God for protection. Most of you know I broke my neck this year and it was an amazing example of God's protection and his blessing. Um, I am ever grateful for that and for the support that this family gave me. But mostly for God giving me the strength to do what needed to be done to get myself uh, medical attention. <laughs> and um, thank you for letting me have Holly as my carer. And Mum is darling my her love and care. Thanks, Anne. And all my family and friends and Annie in this church. And in Osaka too. Good on you. Thank you. Cheryl. Sharon. Just want to thank God. We've had two grandchildren this year. So that's Jesse and Imogen. And Miles is going to be born in March. So it's answered a prayer for the first two this year. They've been praying for a long time. So. Mm. Yes. Yes.
Amen. Anyone else? Um, yeah. yeah. Very good. Yes. We thank God for leading us here to this fellowship this year. Probably four months ago or so like that. So we feel part of the fellowship and using our gifts and abilities and receiving new guys as well. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Lord, thank you so much for your wonderful blessings for those that have been mentioned today, but also for many others that haven't been mentioned. We are totally dependent on you, your will, your grace, your mercy, your love. And so, Lord, we can look back on 2023 knowing that you have been faithful to your promises and your spirit has been working in our lives. Thank you so much for all that you do. Amen. So as followers of Jesus, we can pray this psalm, although it's a prayer for the king, we can pray this psalm ourselves uh, as a prayer that God's kingdom would still be built through our King Jesus. And it is fitting for us. Although the psalm originally was a psalm designed to be said by the people of God prior to Israel going into battle. And you can see that because of the last verse. It says, O Lord, save the king. Answer us when we call. And also the, the uh, title where it says a psalm of David, meaning uh, not necessarily that David wrote it, although he could have, or inspired it or dictated it, but it's of David in the sense that uh, it brings David back to our minds. That's sort of what, what it means when it says of David. So it's certainly one that is prayed by the people of God in the temple, in the sanctuary, prior to the army of the Lord going out to battle. It's a prayer for blessing and for victory for the king. So we can certainly join with the people who originally prayed this prayer as we also pray for our King Jesus that his kingdom would continue to be built and for victory for our church and for ourselves as we look forward to 2024. We know that Jesus has secured the victory through his death and resurrection. He's defeated sin, he's defeated death, he rose from the dead, defeated the grave, he is already victorious. And our prayer is that that victory would continue to be played out or seen in our church and in our lives. The victory already won would be ours. The psalm is structured in three sections from verses 1 to 5, and we can see those there. It's there, the petitions or the prayers. And then in verses 6 to 8, there we go, we have this uh, proclamation of confidence where the, the one who's being prayed for, the king, shouts out, Now I know! that the Lord answers and gives victory. This I know, the Lord gives victory. So it's a response from the one who's being prayed for, the king. You can imagine him yelling that out in, in the sanctuary, in the temple, as the people have recited the first part, and then he responds, I know that God will give me victory. And then everyone joins in in the last line, Lord, give 
victory to the king. Answer us when we call. That's how it was, how it was um, said in the temple. So let's get a feel for that. So it's said in uh, typical poetical parallelism when one line is mentioned and then the second line repeats or reiterates the first line but adds to it. And that's, that's the style of a lot of Hebrew poetry and so we see it here. And it was meant to be recited and said in, in the temple. So let's say, I will say the first line. I will say, may the Lord answer you when you're in distress. And then the, the orange part, if we can all join in and get a feel for what it would have been like. Okay, let's do that. So big voices. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May he send you help from the sanctuary. May he remember all your sacrifices. May he give you the desire of your heart. May we shout for joy over your victory. May the Lord grant all your requests. All right. That's the way it went. You can imagine thousands singing that would have been very impressive. The practice of praying for rulers and governors, which this is, the prayer for the king, was common in those times, especially in Israel. But it's also still apparent today where, you know, where um, in 1 Timothy, Paul tells the church to pray for kings, literally our kings, even though they may not be representative of God's people, but we are still to pray for our king and our military leaders. It reminds us that much of our destiny is bound up in the success of those who hold power to rule, even today. We acknowledge God's supreme rulership, but he does a lot of things through rulers of nations. And the decisions of our rulers affect us, so we are to pray for them. In ancient times, the king was the ruler and also the military leader, especially David, who was an expert in military command, and this was a prayer for him. We could imagine perhaps the situation in 2 Samuel chapter 10, where David leads the army out to fight against the Ammonites. David had sent a group of uh, representatives of soldiers to make peace with the Ammonite king. But the Ammonite king thought this was a, a threat that David was sending spies into the land. So he shaved off their beards in humiliation and, and cut the back of their trousers off to show their buttocks and sent them back to King David in a humiliating display of distrust. And so David was infuriated with their lack of respect for him and so they made war against them to teach them a lesson. We can imagine something like that perhaps would have been the, the occasion when David and his soldiers went into the, maybe just his commanders went into the temple to seek God's blessing upon the battle that was to come. It's not hard to imagine that that was being read out and David himself says those words, you know, 
Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand in verse 6. David did not assume victory. He didn't just say, oh, well, I'm the Lord's anointed. God will give me victory. He could have done that. Or our army's better than them. Or we've got more people. No, he went to the temple and prayed for victory. It was an assumption that we need God's help. If anything of, church, uh, of Israel's history, it's a lesson to be learned. It's don't go forward unless you've got God's support with you. I mean, that was very clear through the time when they were wandering in the wilderness and they made so many mistakes because they didn't seek God first and they presumed. So David has learned that lesson. The people of God have learned that lesson at this time and they pray for victory before they go out. The lines that we've read are all pretty much saying the same thing. It's saying, God give victory to his army. May the Lord answer your prayers for help. Send you support. Remember your sacrifices. Make your plans succeed. In other words, may God give you victory in battle. A prayer for the king was a prayer for themselves as well. They were invested in that. If they lost a battle, they were more likely then to be invaded and they would lose their family, lose their land, lose their houses and, you know, worst case scenario, which did happen, transported off to captivity. So it was, you know, it wasn't just this faraway thing like us in Afghanistan or Iraq, you know, oh, we hope they win and protect them. Now, this is more like, you know, what we faced in World War II when the Pacific was at war and we, there was a real threat of invasion upon our land. It would be more of that sort of desperate plea for victory and for God's blessing as they looked ahead to what was going to happen. It was a prayer for themselves as well as the king's army. As we look forward to 2024, our prayers for Jesus' kingdom, for his will being done, is perfectly in line with what God wants from us. As we look forward to 2024, I don't think there's anything more suitable for us to pray for than that Jesus' victory would continue to be played out in our lives and in our church. We pray for the victory of our King, King Jesus. We thank God for the victory that's already happened and we are very blessed when we can recount the blessings that God's already given us, the victories in 2023, but we pray for more in 2024. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray for the kingdom in the future as well. That must be our prayer in 2024. May he give the king the desires of his heart, he says. His heart's desire was to defend the people of God and win for them a great victory. There was a perfect alignment between the king's heart and God's heart. When our hearts are aligned with God's will, when we are in tune with what God wants, when it's very clear that what we want is what God wants, we shouldn't be ashamed to pray 
Lord, give us the desires of our heart. In uh, John's Gospel, Jesus said, I didn't, you didn't choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love one another. Jesus wasn't too scared to say that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And I know that can be, you know, twisted by some people to be a very selfish thing. But when you look at what Jesus is saying there, it's surrounded by instructions about follow my commands, love one another. You know, I chose you to go and bear fruit. God's fruit. That's the frame or the thinking of, well, what's your desires of your heart? Well, they are the desires of your heart. Therefore, as this one, may he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. When our goals and when our plans are framed by what God wants, that his kingdom will come, that his king will have the victory, then we can pray that with full assurance. Jesus lived to do the Father's will and achieve a great victory over sin and death. He did this on the cross when he died and when he rose again to give an already victory to us, that we can already say we are victorious people, that we live in the victory of God. Let's pray for 2024 that our heart's desire would be in line with what God wants. And we can still pray for victory in battle for our church. I know that every time we have, you know, even a play group or a welcome um, time, welcome space, place, or farmer's market or prayer meeting or home group, whatever it is, there's always a spiritual battle going on. You know, our battle is not, not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. And, and there's always a battle going on, even when you know, a new person visits us and I seek to visit them and encourage them to do a Bible study or read the Bible. There's a spiritual battle going on in the heavens for that person's soul, if they're not already a believer. There's a spiritual battle every time we welcome new people in you know, and try to get them to follow God's will and align with Jesus and, you know, repent and believe. In There's a spiritual battle going on up there. And our prayers are important because it makes a difference. This is part of our battle and the victory that our church is engaged in as we look forward to 2024. Let's put into practice this psalm by coming before God, seeking his blessing and will, prior to making any decisions in ministry. We as deacons, when we meet together monthly, we want it framed by God's will, God's desire, before we step out. The second part is a confident proclamation of victory where the king or the leader of the army says, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. The king speaks. It's his turn to show his faith in God before the people in the temple. He calls himself his anointed. And this refers to the practice of pouring oil over a ruler to signify God's blessing upon them and God's authority that they had. They were then the anointed authority on earth 
representing God as the rule of God's people. And that anointed one that he took the place of speaks of Jesus, the ultimate anointed king who was to come and did come. David has a new confidence after he's been with the people of God and been praising God to shout, God will answer him from his holy heaven and the saving power of his right hand. Jesus had that same assurance of victory when he approached the cross. And of course, we remember the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus faced his own battle beforehand as he knew the physical agonies of the cross, but also the spiritual agony of being separated from God the Father and taking upon himself the sin of the world. Unimaginable. The perfect Son of God now being completely rejected by the Father, something that had never, ever happened as he became sin for us and faced the darkness of this world, mercifully, lovingly laying down his life so that we could have the Father's grace and mercy upon us and forgiveness. Jesus faced that same battle, but came through that battle knowing that it was God's will that he do that. He knew that he had the victory already and that he had the right hand of God at his, um, f- for his help when he said, don't you know, when he was arrested, he said, don't you know that I could call upon the Father to send 12 legions of angels to help me? When the disciples said, fight back. No, I'm not going to. I could. I've got the power, but I don't need to. Jesus knew that victory. He also knew the victory as he said to the disciples, tonight you will all fall away from me. You'll all deny me. But he said, after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. He knew he was going to rise from the dead. He had that same confidence, that victory that God assured David before battle, that Jesus had that as well. We look forward to 2024 in some ways with a blank space before us. No one knows what is ahead except God himself. That's just a fact. But we can go with a confidence shared by this King David and with Jesus, knowing that as we align ourselves with God, as we seek God's will, that God will go before us, that his promises will be fulfilled, that God's plans and purposes will come about in 2024. If we know anything, and we know nothing about 2024, we know that God's will will be done. And those people of faith know that we are in the palm of his hand. We know that because Jesus promised it. We know for sure that we have a future in heaven that cannot be taken away from us, that we will go into 24. 2024, looking forward to the victory of Christ that we already have. We've got so many things we do know because we know the one who knows and controls the future. There's a strong message here of how do we do that? Well, by prayer, but also by not trusting in ourselves. In verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
I mean, chariots and horses were great help in battle in those days. They didn't have tanks and uh, other things, but that was the best they had of strong armour. And But they didn't trust in it. They could have countered them and said, we've got more than you, therefore we're going to win. But they didn't fall into that trap because chariot wheels can fall off. Horses' legs can go lame very quickly if it's not God's will that they proceed. Whatever it is that we may look at in our life and think, well, hey, I'm doing pretty well. We mustn't fall into the trap of trusting in those things. Because the wheels can fall off. But God's promises are absolutely sure that we have the victory already. We will have the victory in 2024 and ultimately we stand in Christ's victory. There is so many good things. We can go to a God with our prayer. We can go to God with our requests. We can look forward to his blessings continuing as in 2023. Tough times will come. There is no doubt about that. We can be assured of that. Tough times will come in 2024. But we have a God who already has given us the victory. In Romans 8 it says, We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Our minds can go for a context here of not trusting in chariots or in horses, but having that humble trust in God and I think there's no greater example than Gideon when he faced the Midianites at Mount Gilead in Judges chapter 7. Where Gideon was leading the army of God and God said to him, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hands. Your army is too strong. <laughs> so I'm not going to let you go into battle with a strong army in order that Israel may not boast that it was their strength that saved them. So then God said, okay, anyone who trembles with fear can go home. Any soldier who's a bit afraid and doesn't want to go into battle, you can go. Go home, go back to your family. So 22,000 people left. That's pretty honest, wasn't it? 22,000 who put their hand up and said, yeah, yeah, I'm a bit scared. And that left 10,000 soldiers. But God still said, you've still got too many. You're too strong. So then he said, okay, let's all go down to the water. And anyone who laps the water like a dog, in other words, puts their mouth all the way into the water and you know, drinks the water like that, I'm going to sift the army of God. Anyone who drinks like that, they can be separated and they don't fight. But anyone who drinks with their hand, brings the water up to their mouth and drinks, they will be the ones I'll deliver Israel with. So 300 drank with their hand. And it was with those 300 that God gave them victory. And it was all designed to bring their confidence, not to themselves, but bring their confidence to completely trusting God. How could 300 defeat such a vast army as the Midianites? It was impossible unless they completely trusted in God's will. Just like the psalmist here says, David. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
our salvation and I suppose the greatest lesson of not trusting in ourselves but trusting God is that our salvation itself is not based on our good works or our accomplishments or our good character. Those things are completely overwhelmed by our sin. Our sin stands out before God, not our good deeds. And Jesus dealt with that biggest problem, our sin, by dying for them. So we can never boast in our own good deeds, but can only boast in the cross of Jesus. But as we go forward to 2024, our attitude should be the same as the psalmist here. Not boasting in a nice building, although we thank God for it. Not boasting in nice blue seats, but we thank God for it. But trusting in God and God's will for our lives as we go ahead. That's got to be our attitude as well. Not trusting in chariots or horses, but in God and his will. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 58 says that we have the victory of the resurrection to look forward to. When the ultimate victory of Christ will come to us, where we will be raised to new life. But it still says we are to do something in this life because of that. We are to stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. We have the victory, but he says, don't stand still. Keep doing God's will. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. And then the extra wonderful thing about this, you know that your labour is not in vain. In other words, you give yourself fully to the work of the Lord and God will come beside you and add his spirit to it and bring his results. It's not in vain. It's never for nothing. We can expend ourselves in God's will and God's work because it's not in vain. It's not for nothing. God will match that with his blessing and his victory. So we should celebrate the victory we already have. We should pray at all times, showing our continued dependence upon the Lord. We should not be too distressed about weaknesses or disadvantage that we might face as a church. Yeah, we're small. (laughs) We are small. That can be our strength because it means we trust in God. I'd like to now conclude as we did at the start. We started with some thanks points for 2023. I'd like you to consider... 2024 now and speak out a prayer request for 2024 what is it that your mind goes to when you think about this year going ahead we've heard about the victory we've heard about praying for our king our king jesus for his will for his kingdom let's now have an open time of sharing some of our prayer requests What do we want God to do in 2024? Give us more better health and care for our loved ones and strength for our loved ones. And I'll think of my mother here. Beautiful. Health and care for our loved ones. Peace in the world. Peace in the world. Certainly in Israel and in 
Ukraine, we face some very unknown situations with what looks like escalation. So, yeah, that's all on our hearts. So, peace in the world. Definitely. A lot of things to be anxious about. Inner peace, peace in our hearts, yes. Totally. Salvation of our grandchildren. Yet yeah, that's, I'm sure, most of us here, that would weigh heavily upon us. Sharon. Salvation for my two neighbours. Yes. All those people we're in contact with in our sphere of influence that God's brought into our life. Let's pray for them, for the victory of Christ. Yes. Salvation for our family members that are not safe. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Up the back. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to pray that one, mate, because I've been through that. No, definitely. For a, a wise decision-making process and Christ's victory in that. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Good. Yeah, Janice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a new thing, isn't it? It's, it's a big thing, a new development. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My wife has been very unwell with a mystery illness. The doctors haven't been able to sort out. And she's uh, in hospital now. Hmm. Pray that they'll sort it out to the 24 and be restored to good health. Definitely. Get some answers. Definitely. Restoration of health. Yes, Mark. Whatever circumstances are, that we use our gifts and abilities to serve the world. Very good. Yeah. So many people contribute in this church. It's great to see. Yes. Other things, other ones. Yes. Um, pray for even our Australian people who have gone through the floods up north and north and south. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's been some. Uh, Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, our great King, Jesus, our Saviour, the one who goes into battle for us, we pray for your victory to continue in our lives with these prayer needs. We pray for salvation of our loved ones and grandchildren. We pray for salvation for those who are our neighbours and those that we're in contact with that Daily we pray for, but those prayers are in vain, Lord, unless your spirit opens their hearts. So we ask God that you do your will in their lives. We pray for those of us who are sick, our loved ones who need help. Dear Lord, 
may your healing victory come into their lives. Lord, for those who are suffering through natural disaster in Queensland and various parts of Australia, dear Lord, we, we pray for them too, that their hearts will be turned to you and that you enable the community and those around various um, uh, ministries and parts of the government to be able to help find a way to relieve their suffering. Lord, for all those who've travelling on the roads, we pray, God, for uh, travelling mercy, that you would protect our loved ones as they go from place to place on holidays and visit. And for those who have lost people on the roads, Lord, it's just an unimaginable grief. We pray, God, that your comfort will come to them as well. We thank you, Lord, for those who contribute to our church in 2023, and we thank you for 2024 already, that your will, your victory will continue in our church. Help us, Lord, to depend upon you in all that we do. Ask for your blessing and for your victory in our lives. Lord, for those of us who might need employment or for a new start, we pray, God, that you will help us open up opportunities, open new doors that we can serve you and, and work. We pray, Lord, for Graham as he... Uh, plans for retirement, Lord, lead him in, in that as well. And Lord, for anything I may have forgotten about, Lord, I pray, God, that your will will be done in those prayer requests as well. Lord, we bring all these things to you, knowing that you are a God who hears our prayers. You want your people to pray, but you are a God who's already given us great victory through Jesus. We celebrate that today. Amen.